we have the communion out here, and the title of my message today is The Table of Reconciliation. When we look at our nation, our world, to say we're divided is a misnomer. That's not really right. We're cracked all to pieces. And Jesus, I believe, wants to heal our world, heal our hearts, heal our lives. So in one sense today, we're going to receive communion in just a few moments. Our children, rock kids will be coming over and joining us. And I'm not going to be long with a sermon, but I want to focus a little bit on healing in a way this morning. There are folks that need a healing in their relationship with the Lord. People are hurt. People are going through things. They've experienced things. We need healing in our relationships with one another. And I really believe that the church, the body of Christ, you and I, should be ambassadors to our community about God's healing, grace, and mercy. I uh, struggle at times when, you know, we, we have ministers or we've been taught and, you know, we've said everybody's a soul winner. I've always struggled with saying everybody's a soul winner. I'm not saying you shouldn't win souls or you shouldn't witness, but everybody's not, has, doesn't have the gift of evangelism and able to do that. And at the same time, I do believe that one of the ministries that has been given to every one of us is the ministry of reconciliation. And when we talk about this word, reconciliation, um, I looked it up in the dictionary, Webster's, you all know that's the right one, right? Um, and the definition of reconciliation says it is an act of reconciling parties at variance, a renewal of friendship after disagreement or enmity. Um, the picture that it would give with that or the statement that it would give with that is that there was something beautiful that was broken and it got put back together or restored. Relationships can be fragile. People's relationship with God at times is fragile. People's relationship with one another is fragile. And sometimes it's a beautiful thing. And sometimes we have relationships that when they get broken, we get hurt. We get crushed. We get to feeling things that we shouldn't feel. And we feel the, the, the power of the brokenness. In Scripture, reconciliation in the Bible is the means whereby that sinners are reconciled and brought back into a state of favor with God. And it is literally atonement. Atonement. Look at this. Atonement is at one meant. Atonement. At one moment. It's a statement of unity. 
God has brought us together for a purpose. Unity. Say atonement. Say at one God has made you and I one with Him and one with each other. It's hard to understand. It's hard to comprehend. It's hard to walk in sometimes. Yet that is God's purpose. In 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, I want to read several verses, and I'm going to read several verses today, but beginning at verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, talking about our future, Lord, I wish we could see this. Help us to understand this. From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now, everybody say now. Now we know Him thus no longer. Therefore, we quote this verse a lot but we need to understand it in its context. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Listen to me. You and I have something that Adam, before he sinned, didn't have, and that is the third person of the Godhead, the Trinity, the third person of the Trinity, on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the Holy Spirit came and took up His residence, His place of abode. Abode. Y'all know what your abode is? It's your home. Your place of abode. God's place of abode, His home, is now you. And me. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. Watch this. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 
For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. God has given you and I the word of reconciliation. Christ has reconciled us to Himself and He has made us ambassadors of His grace to the world. Now an ambassador, as most of you know, is a representative. If I'm an ambassador of God, and if you're an ambassador of God, and you and I have a ministry of reconciliation, if we have a word of reconciliation, and we are ambassadors representing God, we've got to stop at some point and say that God has come and took up His residence on the inside of us. He wants to live in us, and He wants us to be His representative to the world. In other words, me living in a right way, in a right fashion, in a kindly fashion, as Judy was talking about, living in a good way is really about who I represent. It's not about me living good enough to go to heaven. I ought to live because of who I represent. I'm an ambassador. As an ambassador, you and I as ambassadors for God, we represent Him. Now, what that means to me is I need to go where He wants me to go. I need to say what He wants me to say. I need to do what He wants me to do. I need to speak His message to other people. So if that's the case, then my feelings, my comfort, my reputation is really not the issue. The issue is... I've been reconciled to God in such a way that God is wanting me to be an ambassador for Him, a representative of Him. And if I live my life based on just my feelings, there's days I may feel like representing, there may be days I don't. There may be times that I uh, uh, worry about my reputation when I really ought to be worried about who it is that I'm representing. And, and, and so I'm just I'm trying to get us to understand and I'm trying to get us to see... <sighs> Because I love Him and I'm grateful for what He has done for us, what He has done for me, and I love Him, I really believe that because He reconciled me to God and He has paid the price for all of our sins, I really believe that God wants you and I, since He lives in us, I believe He wants our heart to represent His heart. You know, one of the sayings we talk about and we look at people all the time and say, well, that's just how he is. We have people who, when they're rude, crude, and unkind, just say, well, this is just how I am. I'm just being real. Well, I understand what you're saying. But when we're walking with God and we have a relationship with God and we represent God, I think there's times that, you know, he is saying we've, been given a ministry of reconciliation, we ought to be reconciled with God. We should quit at some point in time walking just the way we want to walk, feeling how we want to feel, doing what we want to do. 
I'm not saying you're bad. I'm just saying he's inviting us to be his representatives to the world. And today at this season, I recognize that there's no way that I could get to God. There's no way I could understand God. There's no way I could have gone to where God was on my own. And Christmas to me is about God coming to me where I am. If Christ has been birthed in you, you are alive to God. And I really want my heart to represent His heart. What if there's somebody that you're in a relationship with? What if there's somebody that you know? What if there's somebody in your family? What if there's somebody you are acquainted with who's angry with God, who's mad at God, who's angry with family members, who's angry with the world, who's angry with everybody else? Y'all don't have anybody like that in your families, do you? Huh? What if this season God wanted to use you to reconcile a broken relationship? Maybe somebody is struggling with God. Maybe they're struggling with addiction, with issues, with hurt, with sickness, with disease. How many of you have been sick enough that you wondered why God didn't heal you and you could struggle in your relationship with God because He didn't do what I wanted Him to do? Anybody? God, why aren't you doing this the way I think you should? And if we're not careful, we get into a little thing where we get miffed. Y'all, y'all, does anybody here ever get miffed at anybody? Huh? Are you miffed at somebody sitting beside you right now? If you're sitting beside somebody miffed, just elbow them and say, hello, miffed. Well, that, that got quite a commotion going right there, didn't it? <laughs> I think Miff's come to church today. <laughs> See, here's what I'm asking God. God, as I go to the world on your behalf, I really want to represent you in such a way that if there's somebody that's in my life that is struggling with you or struggling with somebody else, I would really like to know how you feel about that person. Let me ask you, the person that you're miffed at, do you think God's miffed at them too? Do you think that God has emotions for them? How, how many of you, when you know you were wrong, God still loved you and came to you just like where you were, just, just took you? And I'm so glad that he's that way. And so I'm just saying, God, if I want to represent you, I would really like to represent you with your heart. I would really like to have your heart for people. 
I've shared with you that you know, years ago I put myself out into this community to funeral directors and I said, if somebody doesn't have a church, if somebody doesn't have a pastor, if somebody doesn't know the Lord and they come to that point in time and they need somebody, I want you to know I'm available. I want to talk to people. And I'm, I, I never, I tell people all the time, if I do your funeral, if you want to hear me preach, you need to come here on a Sunday morning because when I do a funeral, I'm there to love people, to represent God and to show God that God is love, that he's kindness, that he's mercy, that he's grace, that he's all of the things that I know him to be. I'm not there to put people in heaven or hell. That's so stupid in my mind. And so through the years, you know, I got a call the other day and, and, and did a funeral of somebody and, and the, the funeral director, when I got there, he goes, I apologize for how I called you the other night. And he said, I didn't really give you any way out. I says, well, you, if I couldn't have done it, you'd have called. He said, no, no. And with this situation, there is nobody who could have done this but you. I left and I thought, Lord, <clears throat> what will people think of me if I'm not the normal preacher who has an opportunity to preach to people? He said, I don't really care what anybody thinks of you because you go with a heart to represent me, and I'm going to let them see me through you. And I got to thinking, you know, I can't save anybody. But he can. And I have watched through the years the Lord just give me a, a love for people that aren't always lovable. And I realized that, you know, this is not something that's, that's, that's my love. It's not me. I, I, I want to be real honest. You know, I really have an easy time loving people who are good to me and kind to me and nice to me. Don't you? Huh? Are you all upset at anybody who's... I mean, if somebody started giving you $1,000 a week, how, how hard would it be to hate them? If somebody started giving you a million dollars and you just, oh, I can't take that because I don't like you. Hmm? When I realize what God has given to the world and provided for the world and done for all of mankind and I see people who struggle with God, it's obvious to me they do not know who God is and what He has already given them. He has given the world eternal life, everlasting life. He has given them a relationship where that the creator of the universe, the God who made us and this world that we live in, he has opened a door where he wants to come into people's lives and take up residence on the inside and have a relationship with every human being walking the planet. And we Christians get to preaching at them, you ought to live right here, going to hell. And God says, I love that person. 
I want to have a relationship with them. You know, tomorrow will be 43 years I've been married. And I've learned through the years that, you know, I like to pick fights sometimes because the making up is so good. You understand? Well, I mean, it's that, it's that making up. Some of you need to make up with God. Some of you need to be reconciled to God. Some of you need to come back to an understanding that God's not mad at you for all your shortcomings. I'm so glad my wife loves me even when I'm not everything she needs me to be. Do you understand? God loves you even though you're not everything He needs you to be. So, can my heart really be like His heart? In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, But now, in Christ Jesus... You who once were far off and have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the wall, the middle wall of separation, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandment contained in ordinances, so to create in Himself... One new man from the two. Now listen to me. God has saw two men. He saw Adam and He saw Jesus. Jesus was the last Adam and He decided that I'm going to make one new man and that I'm going to come and I'm going to live in man. And that man is going to be one. A new creation. Now... Let me just, this is not really in my sermon, but let me, let me make this statement. In verse 15, when it says, to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. This right here ought to nip racism right in the bud. In God's eyes, there's not one man different colors. In God's eyes, it's one man. Are you hearing me? Verse 16, And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father, now therefore you're no longer strangers or foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit." A dwelling place of God in the Spirit. 
Do you realize because of Jesus, you and I have access to the throne of God's grace and God's mercy? He invites us to fellowship with Him. Y'all, do you realize how much God wants to fellowship with you? Jesus came as a baby to grow up and do all the stuff that he did as a man, as a human being, so that he could have fellowship with you and I, so that he could then, by his Spirit, come and dwell on the inside of every one of us. Fellowship with God. In the book of Ezekiel, Chapter 37, verse 26 says, Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. I will establish them and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Indeed, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The nations also will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. And then in the book of John... John, the 14th chapter, verse 23, Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come and make our home or our abode with him. And then in Luke, Luke chapter 22, Jesus says, When the hour had come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. Now, catch this. Jesus became a man, was birthed, grew up, and he had fellowship with his disciples. He wanted to know human beings. He wanted to walk with human beings. He sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, listen to this, with fervent desire... I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, listen to it, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. There's something about the table of the Lord and fellowshipping. Holidays are great. Christmas is great. Thanksgiving's great. Sitting down with people as a family sharing a meal with them 
It's how you fellowship. You talk about what you like. You talk about what you do. You talk about what you are. You converse about what's going on. Fellowshipping with God is exactly the same thing. Having a meal with Him. You know, we are a spiritual family. We belong to one another. Listen to me. I believe that Jesus knows that Rama Christian Center here on December the 22nd, 2019 is going to have communion and He wants to fellowship with us. This is not just a ceremony we're going to go through with a cup of juice a piece of bread, a morsel of bread. It's you and I reconciling, fellowshipping, communing with God. Today, in just a moment, somebody get the kids and bring them over. Already gone, okay. Listen to me. In just a few moments, we're going to be, and listen to me how I say this, communing with God. We are going to symbolically partake of the body of Christ that was broken for you. Teresa, come here. Please. Nothing like putting her right on the spot, is that right? Communing with God, communing with one another. Last week when I was preaching and I was talking about the stripes... I'm not mistaken, I was standing right over there. Was that not where I was? Talking about the stripes he took on our back for healing? Yeah. Tell everybody what you saw. Well, occasionally I have some visions when he is preaching or praying. And last week when he talked about the stripes that Christ took for us uh, and talked that he took our sickness so we could have his health. And at that time, Jesus showed me one of the stripes on his back. And it was really deep and wide. And it had all the diseases of the whole world in that stripe. But he picked out a disease and lifted it up to show me. And it was a very small speck. 
You almost needed a magnifying glass to see it. It was that small. And it's what we call today the big C. It was cancer. And he said, it's not the big C. This is a small speck. And all you have to do is not accept it, just like all the other diseases in that one stripe. Thank you. To us, problems, sickness, disease seems big. To Jesus, who paid the price. Do you realize he paid the price to reconcile every human being on earth now and forever to him? It's finished. It's done. He's reconciled. He also took a beating took stripes on his back so that you and I could be completely and totally healed of every sickness, of every disease. Let me ask you a question. Do you all understand in the Bible it says we're going to live forever? Huh? Can I help you? I, I don't think you're going to live forever sick or with diseases that are killing you. So we got to conquer these things. It's our enemy. Do you realize we're even going to conquer death? Cancer, it's a small thing. I'm ready for the kids anytime. Let me read you one more scripture. Revelation 21. Verse 2, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Now listen to this. Here's what he said. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. And God, listen to this, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. Say no more death. Nor sorrow, nor crying, for there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Do you all know when somebody dies, dies, we look at the thing and say, well, you know, so-and-so passed away. Got a call from the guy the other day, and he said to me, he said, how's your mom and dad? And I said, well, buddy, my mom passed away. He said, oh, I, I didn't know. I'm sorry. And, and, and he goes, and we understand passed away. We call it death. Death is going to pass away. Sorrow is going to pass away. Crying is going to pass away. Did, did you read that? And you know why? Because Jesus paid.
the price. 